This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. The day after NFL Draft Declaration Day, Notre Dame, I think, went from uh, a bad loser to probably just maybe a a touch below the winner column after uh, Jerry Tiller and Tavon Coney both decided to return for their senior year. Uh, Gives Notre Dame its, without question, its best defensive lineman back and arguably its best linebacker two in a defense that suddenly has technically nine starters back and the entire secondary back, um, even though it has a new defensive coordinator in Clark Lee. So I guess we're, what was your level of surprise that Notre Dame went two for two on defense? Uh, Fairly significant. Uh, You know, I mean, everything we heard about Coney was that he was leaning. I think our impression from Orlando was that he was leaning towards leaving and you just don't expect that. A, a sweep there, or at least I didn't. And, you know, it really puts him in a great situation at linebacker. I, I have a story up today about the various combinations at, at linebacker as well as defensive tackle with Tillery coming back. But, I mean, at worst, you can put three seniors out there, a linebacker, and Tranquil, Coney, uh, and Bilal. Bilal obviously has a ways to go before he earns it. But, um, you know, then you have some other options there. At defensive tackle, Tillery. You needed that veteran at that position. You got a bunch of young guys besides him um, and some really exciting young guys. So a good, really good day for Notre Dame. The Adams and EQ decision to leave is kind of in the past. I don't know if the Elko and uh, Heastan leaving has completely been forgotten. But this this really good news for Notre Dame's defense and great news for Clark Lee. Yeah, I'm, the two of them both coming back, I would not have predicted. And you got to throw in Drew Tranquil, who they... We thought might leave at the end of the year. I mean, this all off-season developments. You have four positive: Tillery, Coney, Tranquil, and Clark Lee. First three are huge personnel developments that they're returning. Um, you also lose likely Stefferson. Have lost Adams, EQ, Elko, and Heastand. So you could probably do well to retain Chip Long and make good hires at the offensive line and safeties to give Notre Dame a plus. As Pete, as you let in with, are they just below the plus at this point? Probably. Um, I don't think. Anybody in the offensive staff cares that much that EQ left. I think they all care that Josh Adams left, and they're all disappointed that Kevin Stepperson's is going to have to because they obviously they were sticking with Stepperson for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> his ability on the field. So not in the plus column yet, but boy, Tim, you made a good point. They would be in the major minus column if either Coney or Tillery left at this point. That's I think they the would, best way to look. They would it. be in the seven and five column. That's the that's column. A minus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a big minus. Yeah. That's the column that I would put them. I, I, I mean, I think that Tillery and Coney coming back is that significant. It go you go from a total rebuild of your defense while your offense has some things to work out itself. Uh, new offensive line coach and new offensive line, and maybe new quarterback or at least new quarterback situation. It's um, they have a, they have enough material on defense now that you could look at next year's team and say. The defense might carry them, even with a new coordinator, and that's a positive. That's okay, um, opposed to the offense might be terrible. I hope the defense can be good enough. I think this defense might actually be 
legitimately good, better than it was last year, even down the coordinator. Well, you look at the, the defensive tackles, okay, so your starters are Tillery and Tagovailoa Mosa, who probably may have, I don't know if he would have moved past Bonner, but, I mean, he certainly looks the part they of attack, starter going into it, right? Yeah, That's... I mean, he cer- certainly looks the part of starter going into his sophomore year. And then you have Heinish. Everybody loves Jason Adamalola. Uh, there's still Darnell Yule out there, who I'm sure they haven't given up on because there's a ton of ability. Jamie and Franklin might be in a position where they could preserve a year now, but but who knows? But uh, at least you have that veteran on the inside. You've got you got your defensive ends coming back. Except Four of them. For, yeah, except for yeah. Trombetti. Um, you know, in the linebacker situation, okay, maybe Bilal doesn't work out. Jonathan Jones, in the little bit that he played this past year, looked awfully good. Um, you know, do they move? Do they have the flexibility now to move Tranquil to the Buck linebacker position? Well, it seems like there's a bunch of guys to choose from at Rover. I don't know. We don't know yet what they're going to do there, but <laughs> Tillery and Coney give you a lot of options, and they're all good. I don't think there's a bad option with Tranquil because if he stays at Rover, he's going to be one of the better players of that position in the country. He was a playmaker last year. If he moves to Buck, I think he'll do well. Yeah. Um, and I think the move might be. I think he'll be a bucket this spring so they can look at all the rovers. Um, and then they can make another decision because it's not like he can't move That's back to That's a really rover. good point. That's the best way to handle it. He doesn't need any more reps in right. the spring. So that would be the rover. one way to yeah. try it out. He barely needs any reps at bucket. Yeah. I think he would just walk <laughs> in there and play it. I mean, it's, Probably. I mean, you're in a situation now where, I, you know, between uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa, Shane Simon, who gets here in the summer, it's they have material at rover and... The way that the defense was run last year, I mean, they were a nickel, I don't know, a third of the time maybe. At that point, the ro- then the then the rover will come off the field and you'll just leave Coney and Tranquil on there. Um, whereas last year, Tranquil the buck moves. came off yeah. and the rover stayed on. So it's it's not a 100% of the time um, impact. I, I think in, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, okay, well, what's bigger? Is it bigger than Tavon Coney came back or Tillery came back? I think in some ways it's probably Coney, uh, based on what they have behind them. Um, I think Tillery allows you, Priester, as you were saying, like you have a defensive tackle rotation. Let's let's move, for the sake of this podcast, let's move Jay Hayes to defensive tackle. Right. Um, if you're starting Tillery and Hayes with Tugavailo Omosa as your number three guy, if you have three proven defensive tackles, which I think Jay Hayes is good enough to say he's like, probably going to be better than Jonathan Bonner at that position, um, or at least as good, that's fine. I mean, that, that's a that's a nice three-man group with Heinish being a okay fourth guy. After that, you're, you've are you got a couple wild cards in Yule and Malola, and then you know maybe Dutroitway can steal five to eight snaps per game. I think you get more out of Jay Hayes' toolbox at, three technique than you do yes. at strong side defensive end. Now he can cross train. Uh, I did, I did mention Jay Hayes as a possibility in that story here this morning. I mean, they've got a lot of options there and I think it would be in Jay Hayes's best interest to cross train too, as he moves forward and tries to uh, forge a professional career. Clint Green took a lot of snaps at the end of that year. Yeah. He, I think he, he started moving into that role where you're like, wait, he's still out there. Well, you noticed it. You noticed him. Yeah. Yeah. You noticed him all the time. And, you know, we would talk about during games. Yeah. Is Jay Hayes out there? You yeah. Know, he just, it's, it's, he goes the best unnoticed at times. Yeah. Other personnel. Um, 
I like that, and then you then you groom someone to back up Clay Cream. But as you mentioned, Jay Hayes can flip out there once in a while because MTA deserves will deserve plenty of snaps. The best part about Tillery coming back is all those guys you listed are backups now. Somebody was going to be starting at nose tackle for Notre Dame, yeah. other than a senior that could be a second or third round draft pick if he's totally committed. What would you think of Kurt Heinisch at nose tackle if he's taking sixty snaps instead of twenty? This is perfect. This yeah. is exactly what you did. And Heinisch made progress as the oh, season went on. Oh, he sure did. But I mean, he'll end up being a really good football player for but them. But he I mean, won't be better than a senior starter right. next and year. And if you can have, if in a in a pass rush situation, you can put Jay Hayes at three technique. That's that's good. That's a good thing. In terms of the coaching staff situation. Um, Harry Heastan left right after we finished recording Probably. our last podcast. That's, that's so always happens that way. Yeah, um, yeah. That was uh it was a shock that maybe shouldn't have been. Um the more you dig into it and so like, well, the Bears came after him last year and four NFL teams came after him this year. The NFL pension aspect of it, the fact that you're I don't know, maybe doubling your salary, um, and you can cut out the recruiting aspect of it as well. He'd been here for six seasons. That's that that hit a threshold of thank you for your service. Uh, as you saw in Brian Kelly's statement, there was no. We really like to thank Mike Elko for his yeah. Year you, made, year. you made a, I, you, Pete, you made <laughs> there's eleven and a half months. Of Notre yeah, Dame you service. made a great point, Pete, yeah. in that you know guys don't leave Notre Dame with that type of no fanfare yeah, from the from the head coach and from the school and you're right six years not even for head coaching jobs it's not yeah even, it just congratulates them at a later press conference right. on their, <laughs> but that's yeah i guess i just wasn't thinking harry Eastan's not going to be around but when you think about it, it makes a total sense that he's not that's yeah. probably the best and he's way a, i mean you know at the core of him he's an nfl guy you mentioned not having to recruit can you imagine how nice that would be for for a football coach uh, you know, after doing that for the last six years. So now it shouldn't have been a complete surprise because he wanted to be a bear. He just wanted the right situation. Everybody seems to love and respect Matt Nagy here in the initial stages of, of his tenure as head coach of the Bears. So, you know, night, great move by Matt Nagy to, to get Harry Heastan. Yeah, I guess that's really, that was probably a better move by the Bears than yeah. anything else. But, uh, you know, from what we've heard, on uh, the offensive line coach, J- Justin Fry from Boston College is a name that's popped up a lot. Um, you know, I've heard repeatedly that they'd like somebody that had, at least has some NFL cachet or, or resume line. That doesn't mean he needs to be an NFL offensive line coach. Um, I'm not really sure where that leaves Notre Dame because it's if you're going to pluck a guy from the NFL, it's probably going to be an assistant offensive line coach opposed to an offensive line coach, right. which is actually what Stanford did, and you would think that that would be a job where they would be able to really swing high as well. Uh, I think a first-time offensive line coach is not that, um, but they hired the assistant offensive line coach from the Washington Redskins. I'm I'm very interested to see where Notre Dame goes here. The people I talk to at Notre Dame are just like, slow down about this replacement. We can take our time and find the best guy. Um, that might not jive with people who think that <laughs> that demand a timetable. Nick Petit Frere is the most important oh, part of yeah. this hire, but they don't they don't need to rush this hire. And I would like to see them make a splash hire at this position because it's it's freaking Notre Dame. You should be able to afford it's to just, do it. Is, well, first of all, you and I were hearing similar things about Justin Fry, and what I had heard was that 
you know, he's from Indiana, just a little bit south of, of Indianapolis, and, and Notre Dame became aware of him by recruiting against him mm-hmm. in, in Indianapolis and Chicago. So he caught their eye, you know, prior to this. Is is Justin Fry, is that enough of a splash? I think that's that that would be a acceptable worst case scenario if that makes sense. Like I think if you hired him, you'd be like, Okay, that's a good coach, I can get behind that. Is it a, a splashy hire? Not at all. Yeah, but I mean, people I mean, don't. Well, yeah, people don't know the name. But I mean, I think you know, anytime you're talking about the ground games of Boston College or Iowa or some of those, yeah. or, you know, per- perennial great rushing teams, I hear he's a, he's very hard nosed and very tough, which Nordheim's offensive linemen are very much accustomed to with Harry Heestand. Um, I mean, it sounds like a good hire, um, but maybe that you know did. Is a splash necessary? No, no, offensive line. I don't think to you. Just a good offensive well, line. Well, Harry Heastan wasn't a big splash, right. at, at least no. among fans. No, I mean it's just like I would like to see Notre Dame sort of like punch its weight and off and assistant hires. Now, like John Tenuta was a splashy hire that worked out great. But if you can go out and get like Herb Hand from Auburn, that would be a splashy hire to yeah. me. Uh, I mean, forget Andy Heck and like that would be awesome. And I. Uh, for a million reasons, but that doesn't that yeah, that doesn't appear that's going to happen. And yeah. it, it, I, I always I said before, you know, it's like Andy Heck's name never really surfaces no. in these situations, at least from Notre Dame. It sounds standpoint. good, yeah. but you know, finding an offensive line coach from another Power Five program that's like competing for the playoffs or competing for conference championships with well, Boston College is not. Um, yeah, but they're that know, would, they're ground. Well, they have AJ Dillon too. He runs people over. I don't know how much blocking you need with that that <laughs> moose back there. I would just I would just like to see Notre Dame go out and be like, you know what? Screw it. We're getting our guy, yeah. and we're going to pay him whatever. Um, you don't need to pay one point five million dollars mm-hmm. for an offensive line coach, which you are prepared to do for your defensive coordinator. But some of the money that you are going to <laughs> file away for Mike Elko, like, well, you're. <laughs> You're okay paying that. No, like, Notre Dame doesn't work that way. Can we repurpose that? No, like, Notre Dame does not work that way. In the regular office at Notre Dame, not uh, only do they not spend that extra money, they don't rehire somebody, and so they're shorthanded. <laughs> I'm speaking from family experience here. Uh, no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, Pete, but they are not going to look at it that way. Football or no football? I blame Kelly for that. <laughs> I agree with you. I just that don't is not, know. I mean, he I don't. Theory is great, but I think I'm with Tim on that. Well, That's not happening. They don't. <laughs> and I don't really like. Oh, well, well, we were going to. Come we, on, we man. saved all this money, so we're going to. No, it doesn't work that way. <sighs> just. <laughs> um, safety's coach. A little bit of info there. Um, a name that had popped up to me last night uh, and popped up this morning as, as well as. Uh, Tabor Johnson from Temple's defensive coordinator now. Uh, some experience being the DB's coach at Ohio State, also at Purdue, and interestingly enough, I believe was a graduate he, he assistant. Was, he was Notre a grad Dame assistant at Notre Dame in '99. I can't say I really knew him, but one year uh, under Bob Davey in '99. That um, that would be an interesting move if that's where Notre Dame goes. Uh, certainly, a lot of Power Five experience. Look, Ohio State experiences. Is big to me because at least you have an understanding. Ohio State DB experience yeah. is really big. It did predate Urban Meyer. Yeah, yeah. Just they to were, point, point that out. The program was good before that. They they were. It was a quality program as well then. But yeah. it was at least you like you have an understanding of what the stage is like. You have an understanding of what recruiting at a high level is like. The, those would be two things. And he's 
But he was a coordinator. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that's that's big. Yeah, the more coordinators you have, I mean, it's a... That's somebody a that, that a Clark staff, Lee but... can tap into. You know, you talked about it last podcast about having a veteran yeah. safeties coach. Having a guy that's been a DC is is big and important Which for is Clark Lee. Interesting, like that he's still pretty young. Um, I yeah. believe he's forty five years old. Yeah. Um, so to have so that he was kind young of, when he was a, yeah, yeah he was pretty young when he was in Ordain. So to have that kind of experience, um, but also be have some juice on the recruiting trail, that's a nice combo to have. So I, I think that would be good for Todd Light. Probably be good for Clark Lee. I think the the coordinator aspect of it is is critical because. Clark Lee does not have any of that, and you still have to play Navy and USC and Syracuse and all these like diverse offenses. Temple, um, Temple's in the, the same conference yeah. as Navy. So give me somebody who has had to draw up those point. kind of game plans right. before. And he'll have the second hardest job on the team behind Tommy Reese next for the next 10 months. Yes. <laughs> really? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I know it's, it sounds like a joke, but the, the two hardest position coach jobs right now are right there. Yeah, Tommy He's, Reese, he... I mean, he has help from Brian <laughs> Kelly, but this is the safety show. This it, new new talent doesn't mean that everything meshes great just because they have better talent. I, I would argue that the safety job is harder than the quarterback's job. Who are, who are, oh yeah, whoever yeah, this yeah. hire is has the That's hardest valid. job. Yeah, because like because well, first just of all, not, just not publicly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the safety position in and of itself is is difficult. It's difficult to yeah. teach. It's so complex, it's very, very difficult to teach. I mean, I'd say you're at a point now where the most important position coaches are offensive line and safety. That's just the way football is right yeah. now. Well, and you also lost two of your best offensive linemen in the last 10 years, so that's... Yeah, no, I'm just saying, in general, in general, where where yeah. would I want my best position coaches? Offensive line and safety. And Notre Dame will have new guys at both spots. Doesn't mean they can't have good hires, but they're going to have new guys at both spots. Uh, for the record, Navy rushed for 362 yards against Temple this past season. Temple beat them. Fine. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, yeah, I remember watching that game. Navy looked like garbage. They were. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. They were awful. Wait a minute. A hundred. I'm sorry. That, was, killed that was total yards. Oh, here we go. Navy, Hire him. Navy carried 52 times for 136 Sign yards. Sign him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, though? You don't always get your best. As an opponent, if it's not whatever, so whatever, mark it down. You'll be writing your game story halftime in <laughs> San Diego point, next year. Two point six yards per carry. Uh, so if they can round out the staff, like if they round out the staff with Taver Johnson and Justin Fry, and I think Long. I think and Chip Long stays, which I think that he will ultimately. Um, hey, I guess we should probably get into that. Nordheim's um, <laughs> offense coordinator. I ultimately, I think that if. If he's not Alabama, from Alabama, does yeah. he? No. Well, I, I don't think the Alabama okay. part matters. Right. Um, it's the Nick Saban Alabama part. And oh, really? Um, you, don't, you don't think it's Yeah, Amali, I think you made this point in your Monday Musings about the whole lateral move thing. Going to Alabama is not a lateral move. It is not. Uh, the, the, <laughs> it is not a lateral move in any way, shape, or form. It's do you want to compete for a bowl game next year? Possibly the playoff sometime, or do you want to come win a national? Well, nor is it a lateral move when you make an extra half a million yeah, dollars. Yeah, that's a little salty for me still because you're like I was. I thought to myself when I saw that. I for, my first thought was Texas A and M, and when I saw Alabama, I was like, oh boy, that's a problem. Because yeah, I mean, just go to I, Alabama and win forever. I think if 
if I was Brian Kelly, I would look at Elko's move as a lateral move. Yes, I agree. If Chip Long left for Alabama, I would not look at that as a lateral move. <laughs> because not. <laughs> right. Okay. Due to reality, I would not view it that way. It's just that's a chance where you get to go and at the you're at the highest, highest level of this sport, and it is a total pressure cooker where if you want if you have an ego about yourself and Chip Long does and you want to go test yourself at that level, Alabama is the place to do it. And at the end of it, you're going to get spit yeah, out. Yeah, it's a from, springboard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. you're going to get spit out in one or two right. years. Either you're going to get fired, or you're going to be a head coach. Those are, those are the two end games there. <laughs> Tony Alford's lateral move was much more lateral than Chip Long's would be. Right? Yeah. That was kind of like, oh man, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I think Urban Meyer wins all the time, but it was still more of a lateral, like, ooh, that's I still that don't hurts. think you can discount the money, because Elko doesn't make the move if, if it's not for the money. He didn't. Right, I would have disca- I would have been more along your lines if it was he's going to Texas. Hard to turn well, down and the that. other thing, it was just, and it the was other thing, such a I, second tier. No, I got you, but they're Ugh. spending a ton of money. They they got Jerry Smith from Oklahoma strength yeah, they're coming coach. fifth in their conference, and the, yeah, I know, but they're also and he's also banking on security because. Jimbo's got a ten-year contract. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. In the first year, yeah, I don't be I mean, grudge all be, of it. I just think it's, he could be bad for. A couple years and they still wouldn't fire him. Brian Kelly could be bad for one year and he'd be done. I know the reasons he did it. I just find it more lateral than yeah. A&M, <laughs> than, I feel. Alabama. Yeah. No, I got you. I, no, I'm not questioning the Alabama, the Alabama move. Even if, if even if he took a pay cut go, going, which of course he wouldn't, but even if he did, it's that wouldn't be lateral. All that being said, I think Chip Long <laughs> Chip will, be, will be Notre Dame's offense coordinator next year. I think the, the he's from Alabama aspect is... Irrelevant. Well, but not for him. Not for him, per se. Uh, but I, I don't think this has anything to do with him. I think it has everything to do with what Nick Saban wants to do. It's a it's a position where almost... How many offensive coordinators would just say, like, all right, I'm going to Alabama, regardless of what their home state was, if Nick Saban called and said, I want you to be my offensive yes, coordinator? Yes, that's a good point. 95% of them? I think Chip Long falls into the 95%. But I think the being from Alabama does not make him attractive to Alabama, I, anyway. no, I agree right. with that. This is like at Notre Dame, we're looking off for these connections. So like, ooh, he's a GA here, or like, oh, he once had lunch with uh, with, <laughs> what, Tim, with Tim Priester back in the a day. One like, year, a one year <laughs> GA under Bob Davy, how prestigious? Yeah, is exactly. <laughs> but at <laughs> Al- Al- Alabama, they're like, uh, we're just going to hire the best guy. We don't really care where you're from, and I think ultimately that's what that will trip up what that will trip up Chip Long here in the sense of being a candidate. From Alabama, because if, as Bruce Feldman reported either t- last night or early this morning, like if Nick Saban is meeting with Hugh Freeze about the position, former head coach of Ole Miss right. makes a way more sense for a hire that Nick Saban. I mean, you look at the offensive coordinators that they've had there, um, Lane Kiffin. So I somebody, me- it, right somebody mentioned this on the board about like, well, how how old was Lane Kiffin? Because I mentioned Chip Long's pretty young. Like, well, Lane Kiffin at that point was old enough to have been the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, the Tennessee Volunteers, and the USC Trojans. That's pretty big difference. So, the offensive coordinators that he's had have been way more established in the profession than Chip Long is. So, Chip Long just doesn't make sense to me as a hire that Nick Saban would make. I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I mean, Nick Saban's looking at Chip Long saying, let's see, how, how, how good of a job did he do in developing his quarterback? Right, I mean, I know he's Maybe, a tight. You know. He's the tight ends coach, but still, he's the offense coordinator, yeah. and and the quarterback spun his wheels all year and got worse by the end of the season. 
Maybe, just maybe like David's on our message board and he blames Reese. True. Well, <laughs> true. So yeah. he, he, just like at Alabama, yeah. so he can't afford to hire an offensive coordinator that's going to do that again. No, I think you would. Although it certainly sounded like I'm sorry, Pete, but it certainly sounded like, and I can't think of his name exactly. Um, that was the OC. Dayball. Day, okay, Dayball. Uh, he wasn't necessarily happy with uh, Jalen Hurts remaining a quarterback all season. No, and you know, Dayball was a an NFL guy, which is sort of like the the other aspect of Dick Saban hires that see there's if they're inexperienced, it's because they have been in the NFL and you don't really know who the heck they are. Yeah. Um so it's I mean they took he was the New England Patriots tight ends coach before being the offensive coordinator at at Alabama. So I I mean I just look at I just look at Chip Long and I feel like the vibe there will be that he returns to Notre Dame. He looks at what they have coming back. The sort of the tag that the offense got by the end of the year being a little bit more one-dimensional. Quarterback issues that you brought up. He's definitely aware of that. And he's aware of what people think about that. And he would like to do something about that. And the only way to do that is to come back and, and Well, and I still think happen. you can't fully judge Chip Long uh, as an offensive coordinator until he gets a quarterback that can do things consistently. You know, I mean, how do you you question play calling when large segments of the playbook are he can't touch them because the quarterback can't execute? So we, we'll see. Uh, Elijah Taylor transfer. Elijah Taylor's yeah, transferring. That's that's part of Pete's. Uh, I think it was last year came up with the theory: the bottom third of the roster transfers. Yeah, that's good. That's it's, good. For uh, the program. I mean, when it's Notre Dame versus the eighty-five man limit, and I would much rather start crossing guys off that we're going to play five snaps or ten snaps um, than fifty to sixty snaps. And Elijah Taylor fell in the zero snap group, and the same way that Jonathan McAllister fell in the zero snap group. So, it, that, by my accounting, because I do not include Kevin Stefferson on next year's roster. Notre Dame's at 86, 86 scholarship players. They'd like to take three more guys. That would get them to 89. And you look up and down the roster, it's pretty easy to find guys that f- would fit into the... Yeah, I could see them not on the team next year. That would be in the bottom third of the roster, who have either not played at all, won't play at all, or have rarely played uh, at deep positions. Or, and, or an injury. Yeah, I mean, they, well. you look at Notre Dame, they've got... By my projection, 15 scholarship defensive linemen next year and 13 scholarship linebackers. So that won't have all those linebackers next year. All 28 of those guys are not going to be on the roster next year. So you can you know cross off a couple guys there. They're, I don't think they'll lose a quarterback yet. Running back, I think they'll be fine. Um, wide receiver, I have them projected at 10 guys, but they'd like Lawrence Keys that would get them to 11. I think it's easy to see a guy dropping off there maybe after spring practice. You can see a guy dropping off at every position all the way through. Uh, uh, with the exception a, maybe of offensive yeah, line. Yeah, offensive yeah. line is the one position. It, I have, it they, rarely does. They have a dozen. I don't think anyone's going to leave guess, there. I guess two of I shouldn't say that. Two of oh, last year. Least, but uh, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think these guys There's at least one at a lot from, of positions. From this yeah. group, it's hard for me. Well, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. It's like. It you know you're right. It, it it would be accurate to look at it, each position and say it's easy to strike one guy from every every group and, and not necessarily bottom third of the roster because there's some positions I'm looking yeah. where it could be guys that we used to think we're going to be really good at tight end. But I think yeah, every position you could find someone. Which you know it's that's fine. It's good for the program health when most of the people are bottom third. Yeah, of the and roster. I, and on top of that, as Napoleon mentioned this on signing day, there, you're always going to have a guy that comes in and you're like you're leaving. What? Yeah. 
Um, you know, it may be a, it may be a freshman who doesn't show up. Um, it may be a, ret- a um, rising sophomore who, after summer, is just like, yeah, you know, I I just want to be closer to home. Like somebody that we wouldn't wouldn't even guess. So there, there's there's always someone that has an issue in the spring with their get buried on the depth chart. Ten practices. Can, in we, can we reveal our prop bet for the off season here on this podcast? I think we can. Okay, yes. uh, and we should mention that the three prop bets this year yeah. were outstanding and came down to the last play of the last. Game. Yeah. So every year, O'Malley <laughs> and I have some prop bets. This year's was Jerry Tillery nine and a half tackles for loss. I had the over. He finished with nine. I had the under. We had Brandon Wimbush total touchdowns at thirty one and a half. He got I, benched at thirty, and I, I obviously had the over. I had the under. <laughs> And then we had Greatest receptions by receivers not named St. Brown, Claypool, Claypool, and not Mac, and not so just wide receivers. Wide receivers, and we didn't include LZ Mac. And I listed it at fifty point five in the press box before the Temple game. And the fifty-first catch of the year was Miles Boykin's game winner. <laughs> And so this is O'Malley's last podcast. He'll be moving to Vegas. Yes. As no, I took. Sir- I lost all my money on Syracuse. So no. no, you're a handicapper. No, you're, handicap. He's a handicapper. All right. So our scholarship prop bet for the first day of training camp at Clover Academies, with the leeway of a medical right afterwards, because it can happen, is eighty and a half scholarship players. I am pretty confident Notre Dame is going to be over. And since I opened my mouth and said eighty. I am at the under. Yep. yep. That happened to me a couple years ago on a, on a Corey Robinson prep that we still so, want to talk about. So. so file that away from eight months from now. And 80. Yeah. That's a wrap for segment one. We've got questions for readers next. Irish Illustrated Insider. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana. Serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. We're going to start with a basketball question from Bobby Norell. Pretty simple. Now do you guys think Notre Dame will make the NCAA tournament? You know, what, based upon a loss on Saturday? Well, it's a fifth game in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I can see Mike Bray pulling it off. Matt Farrell's supposed to be back tonight for the Louisville game. They need to win this game. Um, you know, this is one of those home games that, uh, you know, this is the difference between 10 and, 10 and 8 and 9 and 9, that kind of that kind of deal. I guess you could say that about every game. But uh, I expect them to win tonight. I expect them to be able to handle Louisville's pressure. They've been preparing for it the last couple of days. The determination that they're going to, you know, they were very, very frustrated after that after that loss. I think everybody in the arena was. Pissed, I think, was the yeah, word. Yeah, pissed was the used. word that Mike Bray used. And, and he was. And not pissed at his team, just pissed at the situation that they were in. And, I mean, I think they'll bounce back tonight. Louisville's 3-1. and one. Um, you know, they maybe they need to come back to the the crowd a little bit at three and two. Um, you know, the I mean, guys like Harvey, these guys really have to continue stepping up. Jogo has to step up. Jogo has to be able to handle the basketball. Rex Rex Fluger has to be able to handle the ball handle the ball better than he did the other day. 
We're going to find out against their press. I don't think their press is West Virginia's press. It's not maybe not even the old Louisville press with Patino when you had Peyton Siva just ball yeah. hawking every dribble. And it's at Notre Dame, so I think that makes a that makes a huge difference. I expect Notre Dame to win tonight, and I I would imagine they expect to win also. NC tournament, Pete. I kind of still feel like no. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> the four and one win against North Carolina. They were going to the NC tournament. That was another thing that was lost that day. Because that is when six of your final 13, you've beaten North Carolina. And North Carolina State, who, by the way, just beats everybody now after Notre Dame beat them by 30. Oh. They, North Carolina State is going to be a quality win. They are going to have they have three top 20 wins. North Carolina State, the team that Notre Dame beat. So by proxy, that's a good win. Three and two, got to win now. This would be total house money. At four and one, they were going to the NCAA tournament with yeah. the win of North Carolina. Yeah, now you've got to scrap your way there. The frustrating thing is that at... at yeah, at three and two, you've got to win the next two, Louisville and at Clemson, in order to get three games over five hundred, like you would have been if had Gibbs' shot just fallen. Just fallen, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, they could have possibly won. It was, wow, they had the win. So that is probably why it stings. Uh, I would say, I would still guess nine and nine. So it all comes down to how they look at that nine and nine. I guess my, I might move it to yes. Based on the, the based loss. upon the based loss, based upon how the, how they played and how I think they could, like Martin Gebbins a basketball player now. He's not yeah. just always doing okay. I guess my my he hesitancy was, to to go yes is I feel like they're gonna have like some flat tire games along the way. Some rough road games, and that's that's yeah. fine. It's college basketball. Right. Um, I just am concerned that they're gonna happen at the wrong times. Um, you're saying they could lose to a team they should beat. Yeah, that's what you have a problem. That's with my yeah. that's my real concern that they're going to lose to a bad team on the road you know similar like georgia tech is not that great um you know like a georgia tech road loss or two or three and then nine and nine comes really hard and you're like god you really needed that north carolina game um or you know maybe louisville goes the same way tonight but um i i'm look I'm impressed with what they're doing because they do not have a whole lot of great parts to work with right now with Farrell out. I mean, there was a lineup on Saturday night. You're you're the defending national champions, and I believe the lineup was Burns, Jogo, Gebbin, Gibbs, and Harvey, which is like okay in practice, but that, those are some real developmental type players that you're throwing out there against North the Carolina defending national champions, and, right. and they held their own. Which is impressive, impressive as heck to me. I'm just curious, like when they go on the road and you have to rely on Burns and Jogo, like I just don't know what's going to happen. You, well, you can't count on any. You can't count on any road games. I mean, you can't. Wake Forest is the most winnable on paper. The others are Clemson, Duke, NC State. Maybe that's the next most winnable, but they're not losing they're, anybody. They're not the other North Carolina. We all agree that going to BC this year, BC won at home again. Uh, yesterday or Saturday, they aren't going to win at Virginia. Um, you know, so you've got so th- I mean, it it literally makes the Louisville game a, a must win for them if you're looking at. And Pete, when you say you don't think they're going to make the the tournament, you're assuming ten and eight gets them in, and nine and nine does not. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a which, fair assumption. I just is, think they could get so in. I just wanted to clarify yeah. that you got to find sixty eight teams. I'm not saying they're going to end up right. six and ten in the right, league right. or eight eight and ten even in the league or. I think that they'll they'll be fine this season, and this will this will be a very good coaching job by Mike Bray at the end of the year. As it look, it already has been. I think it will continue to be. Um, 
but I just I, I look at the parts he's working with right now. Yeah. And I'm not sure I feel. And like yet I the see interesting it, thing, the, the inter- they're rebounding better than they were with Colson. You know, they're not shooting better though. They they're having some. I mean, they have, they're going to have scoring issues on the road. They're, they don't have as many right. pieces now. The, to kind of back up Pete's point about parts. Much as these four big guys are rotating in and everything, and, and a little bit had to do with foul trouble on Gavin, but Luke May had four fouls. At one point, Notre Dame had to decide if 6'6", 200-pound Rex Pfluger would guard North Carolina's center, who's one of the best players in the league, or Theo Pinson, who's the fastest player on the court. And whoever he didn't guard got the ball. Rex Pfluger tries really hard on D. He's a pretty good defensive player. Like, he's underrated nationally defensive player. He might be overrated in, in our circles because we talk about him being the best defensive player all the time. But he's good at defense. He can guard a lot of guys, but you only have one of them. And you're asking him to guard guys that are huge and talented or super quick. And it's tough to be the only guy that you can really do that with. Yeah. And that's not changing just because Matt Farrell comes back. No, that's true. And Farrell is, a, in many instances, a defensive liability just... I mean, that doesn't matter. They're so good on offense. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but I mean, I know what you you're know, saying. There's, there's two sides of the court. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if if you have Gibbs and well, the interesting thing will, you know, Fluger with Jogo, you have an offensive threat, and he he just tapped in a little bit. You know, he never he didn't have more than one three pointer, and he hit three the other day. Um, and he needs to get tougher, but my theory is when you play more, you get tougher. He'll be yeah. diving on those balls. There were two balls that North Carolina oh, got. Oh, he has to get on the floor. he reaches for. You he, can't be he has Jogo to the floor. reaching for a ball while the best player in North Carolina is diving for it. <laughs> That's not how basketball works. But I think being out there more, he'll realize what No, and I love that you and I agreed when he, I mean, he hit those two huge back-to-back threes to give him a six-point lead. And then he had a heat check moment a little while later. And he that was fine. Braced it, he almost hit the shot <laughs> clock. <laughs> but... You know, you like it. You like that he takes that shot. I I think body language says a lot, and his body language said, give me the ball, I'm going to shoot again. I think that's a good thing. Now, can you take that on the road and do that, which is where it's very difficult. I, You know, I couldn't help but watch him on Saturday against North Carolina and think, like, all the times in the offseason you said, like, no, Rams a shooter short. Like, he looks like the shooter that they he were is. short. No, of. I just didn't think that he would be ready this year. Yeah. We don't. We don't know yet. But he looks like a yes. shooter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a way that other guys don't. So it's it's an interesting development there. Um, but you know, look, tonight's huge. If if they get tonight, then I'll yeah, sure, I'll, I'll move sure. over to the S column yes. uh, happily because that that would be a huge one to get them over the hump. All right, we have an easy one here. Pretty quick answers, I'm sure, from Murph JD. How does Notre Dame fix Brandon Wimbush? Go. <laughs> Ready to go. I you know I don't think there's an easy fix. I think you have to be. You have to continue to be patient. I, I don't know that. I don't know that you have a different approach than what you had throughout the whole season. I mean, there's mechanics and there's fundamentals to what you need to do at quarterback. He needs. You need to coach him up in terms of, um, you know, recognizing defenses and progressions and and all the things are really really difficult at this level now to do. Um, there's no shortcut, and I and I don't think that there's a, a drastic makeover that's any different than what they did this year. It's, that's just not how the game works. I, I'm i curious if they handle him differently in terms of the number of voices that he hears throughout the offseason and into next year. I I feel like it was almost like a too many cooks in the kitchen aspect to what happened to Brandon Wimbush. Um, and I'm not saying that's only Notre Dame. Like Maybe it's his quarterback coach back home or maybe it's talking to another advisor. I 
he just seemed like his head was all over the place. And whether that's Reese or Kelly or Long, I don't know. And I'm not sure that I really even care. Um, but it, figure out who his coach is and let that dude coach him. Because um, I, I just, for all the times that either Chip Long or Brian Kelly said, you know, it's not really mental. It's like this physical stuff. I think that is just ridiculous. Because <laughs> that was a kid who was um, busted up mentally and they have, they have to rebuild that. There is no quarterback that has played football as long as him that cannot throw horizontal passes in game 10, 11, and 12. That's not, it's, it's not all footwork. It's not mechanics. It's, it's footwork and mechanics because his head's a mess. That messes with your footwork's mechanics and easy accuracy. Those are the easiest throws. It doesn't mean you're perfect at them like Drew Brees. It means you can complete them. He's not completing passes that are horizontal so on bubble right. screens, it's not like, oh, it's a little behind him, so it kind of ruined the play and they only got nine yards. It could have gotten 13. It's the ball bounced behind the guy. It's just going yeah, on. I get, and that's, you know, that's, not his real, that's not his real ability to throw. I get the difficulty of being a, a, a third-year guy that hasn't played in reading defenses. I don't get the mechanical issues because you can say, well, he wasn't coached the first two years. That, that's a lie because he's coached <laughs> by the quarterback coach. We walk every, pra- practice, every, every practice, every practice yeah. starts the same way. So you can't tell me that he wasn't coached mechanically, recognizing defenses and the way they're disguised, and you know all the things that defenses can do today. I mentioned today because it was a hell of a lot easier when Lou Holtz was the head coach. It's just we're going to try, we're going to pound you, and we have the offensive linemen to do it. You're not going to stop it. The game doesn't quite work that way now. So. You know, I get I get all that other stuff, but the mechanical part is really pretty ridiculous. I think ultimately they do you think next year how many starts or snaps does Ian Book get next year? Or quarterbacks not named Brandon Wimbush. How about that? <laughs> this is prop that like, you, I, gotta I, let, <laughs> you gotta let O'Malley I, I think uh, it's, do like, some ciphering there. I mean I guess I would be surprised if it wasn't a job share next year, which is awkward yeah. and nobody likes that, but I just, well, I look at Brandon Wilmush, and I'm not I'm just not sure that he is going to get quote unquote fixed. So the, you have to get a quarterback to beat Michigan, so you don't ruin the season from the fans' perspective, um, and ruin the the mood around the program to lose to Michigan in the opener. I'm not I'm not exaggerating at all. That'd be a lot worse than losing to Georgia, right? I think yes. some some fans were able to look at that Georgia game some and say, man, Oregon played really well. They just lost to a really good team. If you lose to Michigan. With what's going on in both schools, it's a killer. So you have to prepare your quarterbacks to beat Michigan. Then you got to figure out who your quarterback is over the next month. Well, you have know. a month of football. You I mean, better beat all those other yeah, teams. You think they're gonna? You think they're gonna go about it that way? Then okay, we got to have. I a- just mean you have to be able to find. If if Brandon Wimbush is not going to beat Michigan, you have to use Ian Book to help you beat Michigan, or yeah. the other way around. Well, I, I mean, I, I just. I don't mean I don't, it, know I don't, how I don't could... announce the job share like you did with with Kaiser and Zaire and that crazy stuff. But why do you want to take a chance on the one game you is fifty fifty in the first? Month? I don't know how you can look at it and not think that Ian Book gives you a better chance to win overall. I, I mean, if you well, want to, all the things yeah. that you wanted, all the things that Chip Long wants to do offensively, he's got a much better chance of doing them with Book than he does Wimbush. I guess my thought is Wimbush. Passes better than that. Wimbush can Wimbush can get to the point where he's a competent, but you're not six percent. But you're not going to know until you get in the game. I mean, you can doesn't spring practice in summer and throwing the ball isn't going to tell you anything because there's no pressure on Brandon Wimbush when he throws those those passes. There isn't a game. It's 
it's going to be a mess. It's, <laughs> I mean, as far as the competition, it's going to be a mess. As to well, I've inserted a third yeah, person people, for August because I believe that they should, the competition should continue throughout the season to find the best quarterback. I think I think if Phil Dracovic can help them so, win, oh he should God. be involved. Three a three man. Rotation. He's going to get if the requisite thing for that quarterback is to give him about ten days, and then he goes to the scout team. Fourteen days. They, why would you do that? Now? I just really have my doubts that he's going to be ready to play at this level. I, and you're right probably right, but everywhere we look. Top-ranked freshman find a way to play. He's not just some random guy, right? Well, Brian Kelly says he's the best quarterback in the country. So, so those guys can get in. We just watched a whole Final Four of it. And Baker Mayfield. And <laughs> not the whole Mayfield. Final Four. Yeah, but yeah I mean, I don't know how many... You know, because it's such a striking example, the national championship is, game with two, two true freshmen. I'm not saying he has to go 14-0. I'm saying you just have to find the best quarterback. Yeah. And he might not be... Boy, we're, boy are we going to... We have plenty of we time have to, to like, talk put to quarterbacks. Mix situation. on Wimbush questions Holy until crap, this is going to be a March. long off season. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, let's let's move on. Uh, go fight, win, go Irish. With the recent staff changes, does that buy Kelly more time in the eyes of the administration, or is 2018 still the critical year we thought it would be before the season began, the 2017 season began? Yeah, there's no more time. Um, <laughs> it's, but I think that it was always a basically a three year project. For Brian Kelly 3.0, and this is this is year two. Whether Mike Elko is here or not, he's not. But it's still year two. I think Chip Long will be back, as we discussed. So I don't I don't think this buys anyone any more time. This is that's just where things are entering year nine. So it, you know whether Mike Elko is here, I think is is somewhat irrelevant in that respect. Totally agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really I don't. I don't know why I would buy him more time. Yeah, I, no, it, it, well. 11 it, wins buys him more time. Be more, buy him a couple more years. Yeah, it almost <laughs> has to be. It, buys it, him a contract until he wants to stop coaching Notre Dame if he wins 11 games next year, right? Yeah, I, I'm not I sure 10's sense. enough. Yeah, I mean, it just. I mean, he would come back the next year. Sure, of course off. he yeah, would, I but I mean, well, yeah, I mean. You then a fall gotta, from grace ruins things. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, SR5452, with all the coaching changes in college football, is it time to let players transfer if the head coach DC or OC leaves, especially the head coach. The head coach, you got it's something to look at. I mean, it would be the wild west with people transferring. Oh. But, man, there's a lot of people. You, I guess you shouldn't commit to a school because of the coach, but a lot of people do it, don't they? Why? It's Why human nature? Yeah. yeah, of course. There's the five percent that don't, kid. right? I mean, if you're a long, lifelong Notre Dame fan or a lifelong Nor- look, Luke May didn't commit to North Carolina because of the coach. He walked on to North Carolina despite having offers from everywhere like Notre Dame. And he would help. Some guys are Luke May. Some guys want to go play for the best coach they can find. And I think there's a lot more of the latter. The offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator leaving. You can't get into that. Or your position coach. I'm sorry. That's not. But it's not the same as the head coach. Even the head coach though, would be the wild, wild west, man. What do you get a year? How many? About 20? Change out a year? Head coaches? Maybe, yeah. I mean, all the yeah, there's a lot of twenty-eight, yeah, but um, probably but, right. I don't yeah, know. just like I mean, overall, probably a little bit more than that, but yeah, power yeah. five level. Yeah, I'd say the answer is no. I mean, one, the answer is yes. You already can transfer. You just have to sit out a year. Yeah, I think. Well, that's obviously yeah. the difference. I, th- I think the <laughs> maybe have. Would you rather have the coach sit out a year? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> that's a better <laughs> In idea. Some right? ways, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, players can transfer now. They just have to sit out. 
I'll be curious. To, I would I would much rather see them address like the eligibility aspects that are in the the redshirt rule that might be changed or, or almost certainly will get changed, mm-hmm. where you can play four games, any four games, any four games in a year, and still have it count as a redshirt. Um, and their point is that they're you know by November you have a lot of injuries, and sometimes yeah. you need you just need bodies to play, sure. and that would allow them to get through it. You know, if you want to change that out to involve transfers, where if you transfer you have to sit out a year, but then maybe you have another year of eligibility on the tack to the back end of that. That is fair. I wouldn't have yeah. a problem with that either. Um, you know, I, I think you have to acknowledge that stability is important in this billion dollar amateur sport. Um, and that involves sort of player stability, but I think you could be you could be more fair to the players than is what than what's happening right now. Say we make the head coach sit out instead of letting players do everything they want. Well, now we've set a precedent with the with. <laughs> I just the want to see sit and get paid seventy million for not doing anything. Yeah, what's well, and, and now the coordinators are making two million plus, and that's not going to go back. It's only going to go forward, and you can. I mean, I you know I get you can blame Notre Dame for not stepping up, but once you step up, man, there, it's a point of no return. Yeah, it's I you know, like Kevin Sumlin just got the Arizona job, right? That's, that was who I was referencing. Eleven million dollar deal over four years. Also, in the next two weeks, A and M owes him a check for ten point five million. Of course, he didn't leave A and M. I guess I shouldn't be. I was referencing him, but I shouldn't have. He yeah. didn't decide to leave A and M. He was told to leave. <laughs> but I guess if you're fired. That is a ridiculous yeah. amount of money, it's man. It's crazy, man. That's ridiculous. For a guy that, I, who just for the first time put out a, a, a power five level defense this past year. <laughs> I mean, seriously. They were giving up five yards of carry until this season. Hey, he was on Notre Dame shortlist in 2012. Yes, you can he was. that dodge bullet. <laughs> C. Norman 83, which offensive or defensive unit actually has the possibility of being better next year than 2017 season? Most of them, right? Other than the offensive line, the offensive line can't no, just be. no one or the other, offense or defense. Oh, oh okay, offensive unit. Yeah, it's our podcast. We can answer do anything we want. We want. <laughs> um, the offensive line will not be better than it was last year. Tight ends could be better. Uh, quarterback could be better. Safeties could be better by putting safeties out in the field. Uh, corner, you could have another. Love could play comparably, and another corner could play well, and and the nickel could play better. Defensive line could be better. I mean, the linebackers, I guess, could yeah, be better. I mean, it's the tough. They were pretty good, the linebackers. Yeah, that's a tough, yeah, yeah, that would be tough that would to be do. Tough, but but the only one I'd be adamant about is the, the offensive line can't be better. That's just ridiculous to think it would be. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. doesn't mean they're not going to be good. It just but doesn't I think, make sense. Yeah, see, I read it differently. I just looked offense-defense. I think both units will be improved. I mean, both the offense and defense will be improved. Who do you think will be more improved? The defense. I don't know about because the, of the offensive line. I don't know about the offense. I got being you. Approved. Well, they're not going to. They're not going to average two hundred. That's what I mean. They're not going to statistically. They won't be approved, but that doesn't mean they're not better. Right. right. That, that's a good point. Yeah. If they were at a, an even point, like if we're if they were at zero right now, the offense will go down next year, and the defense will go up. Um, I mean, I I agree. I think the defensive line will be better, maybe a lot better. I think line. I think linebackers will be better next year. You can see they are less. They did well. Corners. I feel like corners will be the same. Um, you know, I hope not. I hope Julian Love's probably up. not going to break up twenty passes no, he's again. He's going to yeah. break up thirty-three. Yeah. So, and then safety can only get better. So that's three. <laughs> that's three or four positions. I think that they will be a lot better in one where they were pretty good. Yes. And they'll probably still be pretty good. 
I mean, offensively, running back, I think, will be down. Wide receiver, you never know. Probably well, flat. It's all dependent on the quarterback, the wide receiver, right? If the quarterback's better, the wide receivers will probably make no, some plays. Offensive line down, tight end down, running back down. Tight end down? Yeah, tight end will be down. I think Durham Smythe is good. You're, you're going to be like, oh, right, yeah. So, oh, he, I like Durham Smythe. Oh, I yeah, he was that, a lot better than. Yeah. Like, I think tight end ultimately with this group will be better next year. A year from now than it was last year. And then quarterback. Who the hell knows? I so no I don't. Idea. I mean, okay. So the dude I mean, had vir- thirty touchdowns. Vir- <laughs> virtually every one of those positions we said we're saying down. I, but I just think the second year of Chip Long. I, I, although I can't, you can't. I'm just McGlinchey and Nelson. Yeah, McGlinchey and Nelson. I mean, that's just such a significant loss. It's and we're gonna find out about the Adams loss, I guess, as time goes on. What? It's not as if these guys can run well in November. They can't make it through September. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen to running back. carrying it nearly as much as Josh Adams did. Yeah, I mean, the off, the offense is screaming for and needs to have a Jerry Tillery, Tavon Coney, Julian Love type of like, whoa, that guy is really good. Because right now it's hard to look at that roster and pick out who you would identify as the, whoa, that guy is really good. I, I, have, I have no idea who. Yeah. I mean, maybe Komet. Cole Komet could look no, really although, good. But, but he's not going to catch 50 passes. No, he'll, you're get, saying. Yeah, yeah. he'll be better in a couple of He's not going to have the equivalent of 20 passes broken up. Right. No, and we don't. I mean, Claypool, we think Claypool can do some good things, but probably not. Got to stay you know, healthy. 55 catch guy. He's, yeah, he, but it's not the right offseason for him to lose half of. No. Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's condi- like yeah. the conditioning aspect that you lose with. Claypool and Brock Wright, I think, are significant. Cole Komet. Cole Komet is at least a guy you'd be like, I could I could see it happening there, right? Um, but man, running back, I don't. I don't know. Like, I like C.J. Holmes as an athlete. I don't know if I like him as a running back who's suddenly going to rush for a thousand yards. Um, it's just it's just tough for me to look at this roster offensively and pick out guys that I, I, I can see on the verge of a breakout season. I do think defense up. For, yeah, uh, defense up. Okay, so I'm looking at this. Is I mean, this is basically what Notre Dame averaged 34.2 points per game this year. Yeah, and it was going to average more if not for Miami because that ruined my right. But they didn't. But they didn't. But that's. You, do you think they can exceed? Will they exceed 34 points a game? I'd say no. That'd be the third highest, right? Of the Kelly era, basically fourth highest. See, we're looking at we're looking at it's a completely personnel thing, and I, I'm kind of considering the, the second time through with Chip Long, and maybe with Ian Book at quarterback, some aspects of his playbook that can be explored that couldn't be with Wimbush. Since Although we only have flip side to that too, there's things you could do with Wimbush that you can't do. Yeah, with I think I think all that's true, and I think all that's going like I think year two with Chip Long in the system is going to be a real positive. But I think at the end of the season, that positive will not match. What they did this last season that we just watched. Certainly not rushing wise. That, I mean, that's a given. That's why I think for the offense to be better, boy, half the people are going to hate this. You might not like this. Brandon <laughs> Wimbush has to improve and be the quarterback because I don't think the offense is getting anywhere near what it was last year with the Ian Book. There's no question that the highest ceiling quarterback is Brandon Wimbush. Yes. It's not even close. I totally agree with that, but that's assuming that he he gets it. I think and Ian I'm Book, like you. I don't. I. You know, I believe anybody, you know, I went into this like, oh, Brandon Wimbush is terrible. Well, I was thinking right at, from the outset of the season, well, he's going to get better the more experience that he gets. And when the season ended, I don't think any of us felt that way. He, no, he didn't get better. No, but do you think 
Yeah, I think in seven months they can correct his mental throwing issues. That's... I think Ian Book needs, like, the 2012 defense for Notre Dame to win 10 or 11 games. And I think Brandon Wimbush needs this defense and to complete 56% of his easy passes. Hmm. Or of his passes. We got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of time to talk about Freshman it. quarterback. We can ponder that for another week until our next podcast when Irish Illustrated Insider returns on uh, Monday, January 22nd. Uh, at that point, probably have a little bit more coaching insight, maybe a little bit more recruiting insight as well. Uh, so until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.